Oh, I'm doing the credits. Wow. I didn't even pull that over. Okay, one second. Welcome to Spinsters, a podcast where Haley abandoned me this time. I'm Jordan Liggins, and today I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation I had with Julie Kliegman, the copy chief of SI, about recent anti-trans bills that have passed and how it affects women's sports. Here she is. Julie, can you introduce yourself for us? Yeah, hi, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Julie Kliegman. I'm the copy chief at Sports Illustrated and I'm a non-binary sports writer. I love it. Thank you so much for being here on Spinsters. Me and Julie go way back to the ringer. We were on the copy desk together. She was the best then, she's the best now. Um, first thing I want to talk to you about, when people listen to this, it was a WNBA All-Star game tonight or Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Benai Jelani, an oh, All-Star yes. from your yes. New York Liberty. How do you feel? <laughs> I mean, you love to see it, right? Like first time All-Star. She's incredible. Um, she went to Rutgers and I used to, you know, I grew up going to Rutgers games and um I love it I mean she got cut when so recently right and then went to most improved player of the year and I love you know, it. now she's kicking ass so this trajectory it. is <laughs> steep like she is <laughs> killing it killing it and for Stephen A. Smith Benija Laney did you see that clip where I he did unfortunately butchered it he didn't even try actually he just got sabrina's name right and he was like i'm not even gonna try benijah laney's name who is a wnba all-star put some respect on her name it's funny how everyone gets sabrina's name right you know i wonder what the connection is there (laughs) that's so wild (laughs) (laughs) but how are you feeling overall about your liberty i know they started off super strong this season but they're not doing too bad during this all-star olympic break they're sixth place in the eastern conference 10 and 11 but i know you're you're probably still missing your tina charles um sorry to bring that up oh yeah (laughs) how are you feeling you know i feel pretty good i feel like anything is an overperformance from us so Mm. I, i love it and i i watched the liberty beat tina charles in person so that made me happy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I miss a lot of people, though. I miss Amanda Zowie B. I miss yeah. Kia Nurse. Um, so I'm still in mourning, but at the same time, celebrating this team, which is incredible. I mean, I think they have a real shot at the playoffs. They really do. And just coming, just thinking back to last season and the bubble, um, overall, like this, the team and the record show that they struggled, but Lasia Clarendon was unbelievable in the Wubble last year for the Liberty. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she really, they they had a couple close games, but she was really keeping them in it, especially when Sabrina went down only two games into the season. All the hype was on the Liberty. You guys were going to win the championship last year, according to <laughs> what everyone was talking about. But talk to me about how, what Lasia meant to that Liberty team last year. I mean, Laisha was everything to that Liberty team. Uh, Their leadership on the court is incredible. And, you know, off the court as well, obviously, with their activism and, you know, his participation in the Social Justice Council. Um, 
So I'm, I'm really missing Lay as well. I, I don't agree with the decision to cut them, especially since their salary was guaranteed. Um, right. It, but, you know, she's living her best life with the Lynx right now. So can't complain too much. She is. My mind was blown. Like, I, I felt like you can't cut the WMBPA vice president. I know, right? <laughs> like, I was like, is that a rule? Like, I feel like you can't. <laughs> I was really confused. I was like, wait, if she's she was kind of in the floating, you know, uh, no person's land of being waived, but waiting to get picked up. And I was like, that shouldn't affect her status as vice president. But it was kind of weird that they waived her. Definitely weird. I, I don't agree with some of the decisions they've been making, like re signing Kia Stokes on Way to Cutter. Like, why did they re sign her in the first place? I don't know. Just overall, the W has such a strange wave, 10-day free agency signing. Like, I have been a fan for so long, and I still don't truly understand it. But Mm -hmm. Lasia, you know, getting picked up on Minnesota, you said she, you know, they're living their best life. She helped them get their first win. And now they're averaging 10 points and five assists per game. So I am kind of a Lynx fan now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, me too. Just for her. (laughs) Another thing about Lasia, like you mentioned, you know, not only being the voice in the wobble for social injustice and really being out in front, being that talking head for the league, but they're also the first openly non-binary and transgender athlete in the W. And that's what I kind of wanted to explore with you today because for casual WNBA fans or for the NBA fans listening, can you paint the picture of just how monumental that is not only for the W, but just in all of sports to kind of see Lasia in this light. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. I mean, the number of openly transgender athletes that we have in professional sports are, you know, it's just so slim and for everyone growing up to be able to see them and, you know, adults too, like myself, like Mm -hmm. just to see someone who identifies as non-binary in that capacity is it's just, like you said, it's monumental. And um, I would recommend, I have a couple articles I'd recommend. Uh, Katie Barnes profiled Laisha Clarendon. Um, that's a great Amazing. piece. Amazing. Yes. Huge Katie Barnes fan over here. Um, yeah, same. And, um, <laughs> so Spencer's. <is> <laughs> and Brittany uh, De La Creta wrote for Sports Illustrated about what it means to be non-binary in a binary sports world. And you know, it's just huge. It's just huge. I think that's all I can really say. (laughs) Yeah. And Brittany's piece, one of the things that stuck out to me was, you know, Lasia told Brittany that the medical decision wasn't the struggle uh, for her top surgery, but it was more of the challenge of, are people going to accept this um, in the sports world, in the league? Because they said the sports world was not designed for non-binary trans people like her. And that really just, ugh, 
Like that grips me of just how there is this gap in coverage, but also um, just having more representation. I thought that was that was really powerful. Yeah, and I love that Brittany led the story that way because mm-hmm. so often we think um, we think of trans people in general as like having all these struggles with their body and their their medical stuff, but oftentimes those can be easy decisions and. Mm-hmm it's really like the cisgender gaze that's the problem, not, you know, anything going on within the mind of a trans athlete. Mm, That's so interesting. And I I mean, the WNBA fans are actually the best fans in the world. Like, let's just put Mm -hmm. that out there right now. But how they rallied behind Lasia and wrapped their arms around them. And during that time, and I, it just made my heart smile. It was so, so, so wonderful to see. And what an important time, not only in, you know, WNBA history, but just sports history. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's huge. And you see NWSL, Quinn is out as non-binary and, you know, hopefully there are many more to come. Yeah, I just want to like hold a sign, especially all the WNBA fans like, we love you. You are welcome. We want to celebrate you. And that I I just felt that oozing out of tweets and articles and headlines and even from the commissioner. Right. I believe Kathy Ingobert even addressed it, um, which I I am sure Lasia having all those, you know, trepidations of like, how is this going to look? How is this going to be accepted? Really set a standard for in the W, again, setting the standard for how we should handle this situation and how we should embrace trans athletes. Yeah, I think Kathy Engelbert's support was huge in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of the W being amazing, that's what that's all we're going to talk about this podcast. But <laughs> the WNBA doesn't, you know, this isn't new for them to uh, not shy away from progressive topics and really league leading professional sports in that way. You know, in 2014, the WNBA was the first professional sports league to launch a pride initiative and in the United States. And so this isn't anything new, but especially last year, going back to the Wubble and how how much they led the charge. And I'm sorry to bring this up, Harry, feel free to bleep out her name, but Kelly Loeffler. they dragged her through the mud as they should because she was the Atlanta Dreams owner. She was against the Black Lives Matter movement, but she was also against trans athletes, right? Could you explain to us what they did to really um, bring that to light as well? Yeah, so Kelly Loeffler last year introduced a bill into the Senate that would ban trans athletes. It's the same kind of bill that we're seeing in state houses across the country. And like you said, the WNBA, I mean, the players just shut it down. They were not here for it. A bunch of them spoke to me on the record about how not here for it they were. And um, that alone is, um, was a huge factor in their decision to oppose her on, not to mention obviously the Black Lives Matter disdain and everything else that she represents, but they really rallied together and Laisha and Sue Bird and mm-hmm. um, 
Atlanta Dream members themselves were huge factors in that. And they did their research and they supported Raphael Warnock. And guess what? Warnock's in office today. Like there, that has never happened before. Like, I know we talk about it. And honestly, I can't talk about it enough. How the W played such an important part in that uh, race. And it still shocks me. Like to this day, they rallied behind someone and they won and it became the most important race, almost the most important race in the whole election. Um, And I I remember reading Lasia saying, you know, regarding Kelly Loeffler, like she went to her house. She, you know, played for the Atlanta dream. She was had a personal relationship with Kelly Loeffler and to see her introduce, it was the Protection of Women and Girls Sports Act of 2021, right? And I'm sure that had to be such a slap in the face of like, you know me, I saw you give an award to Stacey Abrams, I think Lasia said, of like, on the Atlanta Dream Court, and now this is going against a league and your team that is mixed up of not only black players, but... um people that you know lgbtq and you are uh, strictly going against that and that's Mm -hmm. i'm sure that had to be so hard to see and hear for all WNBA players yeah absolutely i mean i remember talking to angel mccotry and she Mm. had kind of a similar take as laisha like you know i've been in your house like this is ridiculous um i can't believe you're gonna slap me in the face like this God, Kelly Loeffler sucks. Let's just put that out there. But <laughs> what exactly was the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act? What was she trying to accomplish with that bill? So she was trying to ban transgender girls and women from competing in women's sports. Now, mm-hmm. advocates of this bill would not call it a ban per se because they would argue that transgender girls and women could compete in men's sports, men's publicly funded sports, but Mm. no transgender person would want that. Right. Because they don't identify as a man. So this bill, you know, it purports, as the name suggests, it purports to protect all girls and women in sports, which on its face is a very like laudable goal, you know, mm-hmm. um, title nine is huge. It deserves protection. However, it's really just a front for transphobia. Wow. Yeah. And what is, I feel like the people that are for these bills, it's leveling the playing field, quotes, 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 quotes. Like what <laughs> is that? bullshit because it really is and why or that's what someone that is for the bill why are they saying that yeah I I think because they've seen the case in Connecticut where a couple of sprinters won a couple of races one time and those sprinters (laughs) happen to be transgender um it's a very selective memory because the sprinters have also lost races and they Mm. are not playing in college whereas the cisgender woman who's 
attacking them is running in college. But, you know, um, <laughs> oh my God. yeah, it, it's very silly. So I think they're looking at that one example and saying like, well, transgender athletes dominate sports and they must be stopped. But, you know, that's not the reality of it. And even if it yeah. was the reality, like it's OK for trans athletes to dominate the same way it's OK for cisgender athletes to dominate. So it's really looking at a problem that doesn't really exist. But even if it did exist, wouldn't it really be so much of a problem? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> the selective memory is real. Yeah. Um, in one of your stories, you quoted former Atlanta guard Blake Dietrich, and she said it very well regarding Kelly Loeffler. Um, Loeffler wants to say we should leave politics out of sports, but when she's creating a bill that is controlling who can or cannot play women's sports, she is empathetically putting politics in athletics. And I know that is like, that was the hot topic of last year of politics and sports. And I just roll my eyes. It's like the biggest eye roll. But that's said so well. Like, how can you say politics should not be allowed in sports? And you write a little letter to the commissioner, Kathy Engelbert, and then you create a bill that directly affects sports and with, right. po with politics like what is what is going on <laughs> yeah I mean it's certainly a very interesting choice right and it, it's the same way as like saying like oh I don't support Black Lives Matter that is also inserting politics into sports um the truth is obviously that politics and sports are inseparable and always have yeah. been and the fact that it's like the hot topic every year of like should they be um, intertwined is very silly. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb. But the W handled it just beautifully. Um, and it was so cool to watch last year. And I don't know if you've seen the ESPN documentary 144, but wow, it really, I was just talking on, uh, the Dunktown podcast, shout out to those ladies. Uh, but it really just put the wobble and everything that happened on center stage and it's still kind of shocking that that did happen everything you know with them stopping play and you know playing for the say her name campaign and taking down kelly loffler it feels like when you're watching that documentary that it's like wow i'm watching this historical context from 20 years ago but this happened last year. And that's what I, I remember breaking down in tears because I was like, we just went through this. I don't know mm -hmm. if we've actually processed this as people yet. Yeah, not at all. I mean, we still haven't come out on the other side of the pandemic, right? So there's been no time. Right. There has been no time. And it just, but it also shined a light of like, this league is absolutely amazing. And it has you know, Leja Claridan as their leader and mm -hmm. just a mix of just really, really powerful women that are leading the most progressive league in, <laughs> in the world. Um, and so that was that was really cool to see and just how important it was. But going back to the bill uh, that Loeffler was trying to pass, you mentioned it earlier, but this has come up stateside on multiple occasions. And um, I know Idaho passed this bill, uh, something similar. 
and eight other states, right? Could you kind of walk us through that of what that looks like and what's happening on the on the state front? Yeah, so last year, Idaho became the first state to pass such a bill, and it was immediately fought. Lindsay Hecox, uh, who I wrote about, um, is wanting to run cross-country for Boise State, and since that's a publicly funded school, she really can't with that kind of law in place, and Mm -hmm. so she teamed up with the ACLU to fight it, and there's currently a preliminary injunction against it as it works its way through the courts, so it's not currently being enforced there which is a good start. Um, But yeah, so some of these bills actually also discriminate against trans boys and men. And they all, I think, discriminate against non-binary people because in essence, they're saying like, oh, you don't exist or we don't acknowledge your presence in sports. Um, But these bills, yeah, they, um, some of them require like proof of gender assigned at birth, which is really invasive and wrong. Um, Some of them require like physical exams of genitals or chromosomal testing. Um, So they're really invasive and not something that young athletes should be subject to. It's not something that they're subject to as part of a routine physical. Um, And so yeah, these bills kind of leave it open for anyone, cisgender or transgender, to be like challenged, quote unquote, about their gender, which is really not how we as a society should be operating, right? Like, I'm not just going to hop on this podcast and say like, Jordan, prove your gender to me. (laughs) Like, (laughs) That sounds ridiculous because it is. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is just a deep breath there. There is, there is a cisgender person fighting that fight in Idaho along with Lindsay, right? Because they felt like that was an invasion of their privacy. If 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 they had to go into a physical, they didn't want to have to do that, even if they are, they're not transgender. That's right. Yeah, there is a cisgender Jane Doe. She's chosen to stay anonymous thus far, um, fighting with Lindsay and the ACLU. Um, and yeah, the, the reality is this negatively affects everyone. I mean, we've seen yeah. um, we've seen this with the Olympics, like those sprinters, those black female sprinters that got banned from an event because their testosterone levels are too high. Like this stuff really affects everyone when we start policing wow. gender. Wow, wow. And you wrote a, another story about how the NCAA is doing nothing, which... NCAA also sucks. We're doing, <laughs> we're comparing uh, things that are great to things that suck, which NCAA falls into the horrible category, but they're not doing anything. Why? I mean, in a certain sense, your guess is as good as mine, but there, there are a couple of reasons that experts have put forth to me for the inaction. One is that, um, so the NCAA did take action five years ago when North Carolina passed its like quote unquote bathroom bill, right, um, right. which was explicitly anti-trans. And so they moved championship events, including basketball events out of the state. Um, but sort of there's, there's a couple arguments for why they haven't taken that same action now. And one is that basically the North Carolina bill wasn't widespread. I mean, it was in that other states were trying to pass those bills, but none succeeded outside of North Carolina. So it's kind of easier to move events out of one state than to like attack entire regions of states. Um, 
And then the other reason is that like that bill, the bathroom bill was more outwardly transphobic for people. Like it was pretty obvious what the aim was. Yeah. And whereas you have I have talked about this bill, it's, you know, about fairness in women's sports, heavy air quotes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, in theory, it could be something that aligns with the NCAA's values, even though it explicitly doesn't. And so the NCAA, just to clarify, they do not have a anti-trans rule or anything like that within the NCAA. It's just the states that they're fighting with. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, In fact, the NCAA has trans inclusion policies in place Mm. as well as an anti-trans discrimination policy in place where, you know, and that was put into place after North Carolina um, to prevent states where events are being held from discriminating. Obviously, they haven't enforced that here, but, mm-hmm. you know, they're specifically on the record as supporting trans athletes, but they're just not taking any action to back that up right now. Mm. So where is um, Lindsay's story right now with trying to run cross country? Is um, she still on the sidelines? I love how you started your your story your feature on her of like she's passing by and waving to the cross-country team that she's actively trying to be on and she's still running still has that passion for running but is there an an update or is it still trying to fight this fight and is it going to be a long fight yeah so i haven't caught up with Lindsay in a little bit but um i'm not sure if she's actually able to run in the meantime i assume she is if she wants to since Mm. the bill isn't it being enforced right now um but yeah it's these fights are long and Mm -hmm. west virginia is actually um in a similar fight right now with the aclu and a trans um, youth athlete so I mean, it's no one knows for sure how these are going to play out in the courts. And, you know, even the rulings that come down might ultimately be kind of unsatisfying. Like they're not likely to say, well, all anti-trans bills regarding sports are bad and unconstitutional. It's more likely to be a more specific granular ruling that says, okay, well, this one bill is unconstitutional Mm -hmm. for X, Y, Z, but that could still leave the door open to other states kind of manipulating the wording or, you know, doing other things to pass these laws. Oh my gosh. Oh, and for that, um, for that story on Lindsay, you had a great line in there that, you know, politicians and political talking heads could use sports as a gateway to make transgender people classify as quote unquote different or other for the rest of society and I kind of want to flip that like how can sports how do you think sports can set the example for change that needs to follow in the rest of society oh I love that you want to flip it I think that's great um (laughs) yeah I mean well we know when athletes have support from their coach or their parents or their teammates that makes them less likely to do things like have suicidal thoughts or, you know, Mm -hmm. plan a death or, you know, uh, you know, all those very serious things. So the fact that they're seeing acceptance in sports is a great thing. And I think like people in all areas of their lives, like teachers and friends and family members can, can model that. And I think 
seeing someone like Laisha Clarendon succeed in sports at the highest level yeah. is huge for that. And, you know, it just models acceptance and models that Laisha is just another person, you know, doing their best in a hard profession <laughs> and to say the least. <laughs> right. Oh, I love that. I love that. And it also feels like, you know, the battle against the NCAA or pushing them to to talk or, you know, having these bills stateside, it can't only be the non-binary transgender community. Like it has to be everyone coming together, especially if you are a lover of sports. So, you know, I had a wonderful sports experience and sports as a player, as a fan, it taught me amazing. And I wouldn't want that to be taken away from anyone just because of their gender or, you know, how the world sees them. What can we do as, you know, people who love sports, people who want to see transgender athletes succeed? Um, what can we do to help make that happen? Yeah. Um, accept the transgender youth in your own life. Um, mm. Write letters to the NCAA, um, President Mark Emmert. Um, uh, Mark, you know, we're coming for you. Mark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, we've seen already that um, current and former student athletes, uh, sorry, I hate the term student athletes, it's made up by the NCAA, but current and former athletes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was just kind of made up to avoid classifying athletes as employees. Um, but. <laughs> love that that's a little spice there wait that's so good I'm gonna stop calling myself yeah (laughs) call yourself a student or an athlete but both is a little yeah unnecessary it was impossible Um, by the way there's kind of no way to be a student athlete it was horrible (laughs) it's really hard I'd love to hear more about that sometime um Yeah, so Sports Illustrated does not use the term student athlete in stories. Um, But yeah, so students, former students and current students who play sports were, um, they wrote a a letter to the NCAA kind of protesting um, their lack of action. And I think that's something that other people could follow in their footsteps. You can also decline to support championship events in those states by you know, not attending, you know, the, say the, you know, Women's College World Series or something like that, any events staged in these states that have passed such laws. Um, Mm. So I I think there's a lot to be done, but I think it all comes back to just supporting the trans youth in your own life and making sure they know they're loved and accepted and have the freedom to participate in sports and any extracurricular that they get joy from. And buy a Laysia Clarendon jersey. Yes, <laughs> do that. that. Too. <laughs> Everyone should own one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. And just before we go, there is um, in the Olympics. Did you hear the New Zealander Laurel Hubbard is the first mm-hmm. transgender athlete to participate in the Olympics? So weightlifting, make sure you watch that too. Do they have jerseys in weightlifting? No, I don't think so can't buy I know you should well just buy a New Zealand flag and that's how we can uh, (laughs) support Laurel but Julie thank you so much for being here shout outs to the WNBA to your New York Liberty 
I wish mm-hmm. you a very great second half of the season. Best of luck. <laughs> Thank and you. Keep I... Writing and doing the stories that we want to hear. I appreciate your voice and and telling the stories that we need. That means a lot. Thank you so much. And I keep up the good podcasting. Shouts to Haley as well. Yes. And where can we find you on social, on SI? Read all of her work, please. Yeah, so you can find my work on Sports Illustrated and my Twitter handle is at JM Kliegman. All right, you guys, go follow. Thanks, Julie, you're (laughs) the best. So are you, thank you. Well, that's our show. Leave us some Leja Clarendon love on our voicemail at 502 874-4453 or send us an email at spinsters at bluewirepods.com to be featured on the show. Spencers is hosted by me, Jordan Liggins, and Haley O'Shaughnessy. This episode was produced by Haley, Isabel Jocelyn, Harry Krinsky, Alex Ward, and me. Our production coordinator is Devin Shepard, and our executive producers are Peter Moses, John Yells, and Haley O'Shaughnessy. Hi, this is LaShawn, Jordan's mom, calling back, and I forgot to tell you where I'm from. I'm calling from West Sacramento, California, and I think you ladies are doing a wonderful job. I wanted to know what day and time are we all going to get together and talk about how the NBA is much better with Harden not playing. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.